Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Well, welcome back from spring break to uh, snowy Illinois, right? Maybe by the time we're done here, it'll all be melted. That's my hope. The sun is shining and I'm rooting for spring still. <laughs> um, so we are so excited for our move. You know, we're like four weeks away, maybe at this five weeks away. I don't know. It's close, right? Um, so, you know, if you got any extra cardboard boxes laying around, the next like Amazon shipment you get, just bring, bring us your boxes, you know, we'll take them. We've got a few things uh, to pack up. Um, and then we'll, we'll have a big moving Sunday, uh, April 16th after church, you know, we're going to get some moving vans and if you can lift some things, I'd greatly appreciate it and we're going to just load up some trucks and move on over there. So it will be an adventure, and I'm excited that you are all a part of this adventure. Um, you know, if you were here like a couple weeks ago, I told this story of how um, we were in the, the final moments of kind of figuring out the details of this move, and I came to the door here, right, Monday morning, put my key in the door like always and it just broke off right and I just had nothing but like the top of the the key <laughs> and I was like hmm okay okay Lord and then you know it took all day to get a locksmith out and fix that and then Tuesday we are Dan and I are just over at the new church building just to be there for a moment um, and I go up to the doors there, and that door is open, right? And I just think, this is, this is interesting, Lord. Like, you're figuratively closing one door and opening another door for such a time as this, right now. You're doing it in the, a physical way, but also in a spiritual way. How unique and interesting of you that you do these things, right? Um, and so it was just a very clear sense that God is ordaining the time of this move. Now, the new church building, I have a new key that I got this week for the building. So <laughs> that mechanism froze and broke, and so that's why it was open. But we've had a locksmith come and change all the locks, and so now it's not perpetually open, you know. Um, so all is well on the key front. <laughs> uh, but throughout the season of the last like three years that we, Dan and I have been here and basically we replanted this church, um, there has been a passage in Revelation that spoke to me even in 2020 when we were, um, you know, discerning coming here. And it directly relates to this open door, closed door thing. So, um, in Revelation, this is the last book of the Bible, um, John has a vision of Jesus talking to his churches, the original like seven churches, and he gives them, you know, kind of a message or um, some encouragement or kind of calls them out for um, unfaithfulness or whatever. 
And even though these original um, seven messages are to these first century churches, there is uh, a timelessness to their message. It's, it's to the church at large as well. We take part of that as a reflection of the church body um, all together. And so in, there's this one uh, church that he is speaking to in Revelation 3, 7 through 8. And this is, this is what it says. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. And that's, that's from Isaiah. He's quoting that. And then Jesus says to the church, I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. And it goes on. His message goes on. But this has um, just been a clear reminder of, like, Jesus is the one that wills what he's doing in our church, right? He is the Lord of this church, and he is going to open doors when he decides, and we are going to say yes and move through them. And there have been times and seasons of little strength, right? But this church, our people, we have been faithful and obedient to Jesus. And he blesses that. He blesses that. And Jesus holds the keys, right? And he is in charge of what happens and what invitation he's giving us. And it doesn't necessarily say exactly what those doors are, okay? But what we can imagine is that those doors that he opens are, are kingdom doors. They are openings to ministry opportunities, to greater experiences of his presence and his glory, of people coming to a relationship with Jesus. The, the doors are the things that he wills for us. And if you came in and got a key out of that little bowl, can you show it to me? Oh, look at me. Okay. And if you didn't, it's right at that table, and we, you can get one on the way out. And so you got this key this morning, and I want you to keep this somewhere, you know, as a reminder to be praying for um, this move and our transition into this new place. I want you to be praying along with this scripture that he would give us the strength to continue in faithfulness and obedience and to continue to open doors that we say yes to, okay? That he would open opportunities for us to minister to our community and that we would be faithful and true to him and we would say yes and follow through those open doors that he gives us. Because when he opens a door, it's God's favor, man. Nothing can shut that door. And that is what has happened for us. That will, that's what will continue to happen for us. And so just take this key with you, and, and you get to be a part of this journey and adventure. This is your key of faith, to, to pray with us in the open doors. You know, I see um, us having, you know, 
picnics or you know block parties in that on that lawn that we have that somebody is going to volunteer and mow for us. Um, okay, I I was told this week that the big fancy mower that we have. It only takes two hours to mow that whole thing, which in my mind, it takes like a whole day looking at the amount of grass out there. Um, but if, you, if you're like in for speed and like, let me know. Um, <laughs> but uh, there, we can have bonfires, um, movie nights. We can launch an alpha course. We can invite people to learn about Jesus, learn about faith, ask questions. There's so many things that we can do, um, kind of having this hub in a neighborhood and being a presence of Jesus right here in our community. So I'm excited. Are you guys excited? Yes. So we're in this series of impossible, which is, which is funny because this whole story just kind of, our whole journey is, is part of what we're living out right now. The impossible things, the things that Jesus does for us, the doors that he opens. But that's not where I'm going this morning. That was just a little prelude um, to our move. So we're going to talk um, this morning about Jesus's lasting peace. Now, what brings you peace, like on a daily basis, right? Is it like that morning cup of coffee routine? That's, that's one of my places of peace, you know. I told you about that routine. I won't go over it again, but, you know, you can ask me about it. Um, maybe you have a daily walk around your neighborhood, like you take your dog out for a walk, and that's like a, a centering routine for you, um, Maybe you just got back from vacation and that was a peaceful time. Or if you have kids, it's kind of a mixed bag, you know? Moments of peace, moments of chaos, you know, it all kind of combines. But, um, you know, what is it that brings you peace? And then how long does that usually last before you're, you have to get back to the demands of life and get back to the routine and the schedule and the other things that you have to do that day, you know. Sometimes it's short-lived, right, those moments of peace. But we all, we all desire that and we curate these external experience of, experiences of peace because what we really long for and need is that internal peace, right, lasting peace where our soul and our, and our internal state is peaceful. And that is something that only Jesus brings, is lasting peace. We're going to look at a story this morning from the Gospel of Mark, and it's going to uh, be a little bit longer, so if you want to follow along, I would suggest looking up Mark 5, 1 through 20, I, I do have it on the screen. I'm reading from the NLT version. But this is a story where Jesus brings lasting peace over evil, Satan, and brokenness. We see that he has miraculous power over the evil and brokenness and the power of Satan in this world. So Jesus... We're going to read from 5 and 1 through 20. 
It says, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of Gerasim. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, "Now, said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of the region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. So this is a story, <laughs> right? There's a lot of intense things happening in this story that you might be like, wow, that's a lot going on. So we're going to just break it down a little bit and, and talk about what does this mean for us? So Jesus, he gets in this boat with his disciples, right? He crosses over this lake to this region in Gerasene, and this is a region of Gentiles. And so the Jews don't even want to go over there in the first place. This is uh, somewhere where they avoid, okay? They are not interested in going to this place. And so why is Jesus going in this boat to this place in the first place? And then he's going to a cemetery, also a place where Jews do not go because that makes them unclean and they will have to do ceremonial cleansing, all these things. So Jesus just continues to push the envelope on what's comfortable for the disciples. 
where God chooses to go and, and who he shows up for, right? They, there's, there's lines that, that Jesus is crossing over and over again. But it's Jesus' mission to bring the gospel and the demonstration of the kingdom to all people and to all places. So he goes to the place, the region of the garrison. And this man approaches Jesus. He approaches him before Jesus even gets to him. And he screams and shrieks and bows down at Jesus because the, the, the beings that are tormenting him recognize Jesus for who he is. Before even the disciples are even on board with knowing some of the authority that Jesus carries, the, the demons know immediately who Jesus is, the power that he holds, and they're afraid. They are afraid. This man is, I mean, it's interesting how much detail that Mark gives us about the, the darkness that this man is in, that he has tried to be subdued multiple times. He's tried to be chained multiple times and has broken the chains, has smashed the chains. He's a very dangerous man, right? I mean, no one wants to approach this man. They have put him as far out of uh, society as possible in the cemetery. And he's controlled by these evil beings that have tormented him into darkness. And it, as he's placed in an isolated place and chained up, tried to be chained up, it's like the darkness has just grown in him and multiplied in him, right? When darkness stays hidden, doesn't it grow and multiply and become deeper and bigger? And so this darkness is, is so hard for him to handle that he has, um, he has turned to uh, self-inflicting himself and cutting and, and very painful, torturous ways. He has a, a tormented internal state. And the only thing that is going to break the power of this darkness is Jesus. Darkness. You can relate to an experience of darkness, I'm sure. That at some point in your life, you've been through a season of darkness or before you even knew what darkness was, it started to kind of creep in through some experience or through some trauma, and all of a sudden you find yourself trying to, to cope with a darkness, right? Now, we probably all haven't been um, possessed by a legion of demons, right? But we know the experience of darkness, or we have been in relationship with somebody that knows darkness, that what it feels like to be afflicted with, um, you know, depression or anxiety or mental illness, um, addiction, any kind of bondage. We know what darkness is because it's a reality of the broken world we live in. Really, 
any, any disordered desire that we have when we turn to sin, it becomes a bondage for us. It becomes a place of darkness for us. And we need that ongoing transformation from darkness to light. It's an ongoing renewal that happens in our life. And Jesus is about to bring in an extraordinary um, experience, encounter from darkness to light for this man. So this man runs, shrieks at Jesus, and Jesus says, what is your name? And he says, legion. And legion, just so you know, is a Roman unit of measurement, and it is the largest unit. And so um, if you were to speak of a Roman army that is a full-forced army, a legion, it would be 6,000 men. So it's a very large unit, and they would know that immediately. Now, it doesn't mean that there's 6,000 demons in this man, but it does mean that there's a whole heck of a lot, like more than you can conceive in your mind. It's that big. So he says, my name is Legion, because there are a lot of us inside this man. And the, the interesting thing about names in biblical times is that when you got a name, it was a description of who you were. So it wasn't, you know, just a name to be a name, but it was a description. It was the nature of who you are, okay? So by asking this man's, this demon's name, it's, it's like confessing the, the powers by which this man is held to, right? Um, so the nature is that it's many. That's the nature of what this man was dealing with. Okay, so if you grew up in the 90s like myself, or you were around in the 90s, which I know many of you are, maybe a few that weren't, um, but you might have uh, heard or watched a TV show with a group of teenage superheroes called the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Anybody? Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Okay. Well, don't look at the 90s shows because they're a little bit hard to, you know, work through. With the, there's, a, there's like a movie from 2017. If you want to know more about the Power Rangers, like skip the bad graphics and the bad acting. Just go to what's current, okay? But the, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, okay? These are, these are the teenagers, the group of teenagers. So these people were chosen to fight the evil villain that was taking over the world, okay? And you can see what they're holding. They're holding these awesome, like, belt buckle things, okay? Yeah, really cool, okay? And they were given this belt buckle, um, and they could use that to summon their dinosaur power, okay? They were each given a dinosaur power that, um, that represented the nature of who they were, okay? And then they could harness that dinosaur's power to morph into these power rangers, okay? And <laughs> you can see 
immediately they morph. Um, so for instance, like the pink one, she is wise and smart. And so she is chosen to harness the power of the pterodactyl, okay? And so they were each given a dinosaur based on who they were, what described them, and then they morphed into these Power Rangers, and then later on in the movie, you can, or in the show, you can see them, they're in like a transformer of the dinosaur, and they're controlling it, and they're taking out the evil. So um, <laughs> in each episode, that uh, previous picture, in each episode, all of a sudden, it become, when, they're, when they are summoned to fight evil, um, the, the red Power Ranger, he's the leader, right? Okay, they get into this like almost flying V formation immediately, and they say, it's morphin time, okay? And after they say, it's morphin time, they each take out their um, little belt buckle, and they say, pterodactyl, you know, and they go through each one saying they're dinosaur, and then, you know, cool graphics, and then they come back into their uh, morphed Power Ranger suit. Great show, great show. Um, maybe you might have dressed up as a Power Ranger for Halloween. That would have been like all that in the 90s. Or maybe you had one of the little transformer like toys, you know, where you could go from the Power Ranger to the dinosaur, you know, the whole thing. Any <laughs> Anyways, um, Jesus, back to our story, Jesus takes this <laughs> demon-possessed man, okay, frees him from a legion of demons by the power of the Spirit, and this man experiences a complete metamorphosis where he goes from the description, he is so dangerous, right? No one can go near him. No one can bind him. He, he uh, is very, very dangerous, probably not clothed, self-harming, all the things to calm, approachable, in his right mind, fully clothed, able to go up to a person and share and have a conversation about what Jesus has done for him. He has experienced a complete transformation, a complete metamorphosis from darkness to light. And Jesus, he casts out this legion of demons um, and sends them to a herd of pigs nearby, right? And it's a, that's a curious detail to this story. Um, but I would imagine that whatever power was in the legion of demons would be a very, very violent situation when, um, if he were to like, just let them have their way with this man. And so it's like Jesus takes the power of the demons and casts them into the pigs. And the pigs, what do they do? Immediately just rush off the hillside and drown. And there's 2,000 pigs that die that day. So there were a lot of demons in this man that they could fill up that many pigs and they rush off the hillside to their death. And what this 
does, at least for the, the crowd, the people that witness it, is, is see the absolute, um, you know, amount of demons that this man has been possessed with and the fact that Jesus has complete power and authority over the spiritual realm. That he has superior power to the demons that were torturing this man. It's a clear indication of who Jesus is and the power that he has, that he can bring complete freedom from their bondage. And there's two responses, the response of the man and the response of the village people. The village people are afraid. They are like, we are begging you, Jesus, to leave our town. We don't know what you're doing. We're very afraid of this like transformation, metamorphosis. We're not, we're not on board with it. We don't know who you are, what you're up to. Like, we're afraid. Please just leave. And then there's the man who is begging Jesus to come with him. Right? He's experienced the depths of transformation from torment to peace. Of course he's begging Jesus to go with him. Like Jesus is everything to him now. So he, he would do anything to just go with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you know what? I need you to stay here and be my witness. I need you to go and tell. Go and tell people about me. Jesus is respectful and leaves when he is rejected from this community, but he says, you stay. I have put you on a mission. Go and tell what has been done for you. And this man does. He takes the mission of Jesus, and he spreads the name and story of Jesus around, and many come to know Jesus because of his witness, because of his living testimony in that place. He's the first missionary to the Gentile community. This demon-possessed, dark, tormented man that has completely turned around by the power of the Spirit. It's miraculous what Jesus does. He is not turned away by our brokenness and sin. He is not turned away by the darkness, the things that we hide. He takes them and transforms them. He can miraculously do that for us. What name have you been given by yourself or by others? A name that maybe has controlled you or overwhelmed you or just tormented you from time to time throughout your life. Like just in the back of your mind. That voice that says, actually, this is who you are. Oh, re remember you're a failure. Oh, remember you're, you're not enough. Oh, remember you, you get rejected. Or remember you're, you're a victim. Nothing's good going to happen in your life. Or remember, like, you're an addict to this. Nothing's ever going to change. That name that describes not the image of God in you, but brokenness and bondage. That is a name 
that Jesus wants to transform. That is a name that Jesus wants you to nail to the cross and say, no more. Jesus, you have given me a different identity. You have given me a new name. Because Satan, guess what his constant job is? To destroy the image of God in you. You may not have demons living in you, but his power is on constant influence in this world. And he will constantly influence you with his powers to destroy the image of God in you. And so every day, you have to take on your new name. Every day. We can't let a day go by that we don't take our little belt buckle and say, okay, Jesus, I am summoning your power because I live by your nature. Not the nature of the enemy, not what he wants me to believe. Every single day, we take on our new name. So my call to action for you this week is spend some time with Jesus and just confess what broken identity or name you let come into your mind and your heart. What broken name have you um, given too much space to, too much power to? And you need to say, I'm confessing this, I'm giving it to Jesus. And then choose, oh, I think I have it on the next screen. Um, but you can choose to meditate on one of the new identities that Jesus has given you. There's several in scripture, I've just listed a few, that you are chosen, that you are the beloved child of God, that you are a friend of Jesus, that your body is the temple of God, that you are God's work of art, his masterpiece, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then let him rename you. You know, like the pink Power Ranger, right? She gets the pterodactyl because she's wise and smart. Well, let's say because you're beloved and chosen, Jesus wants to give you the name, my treasure. Let it be personal to you. But sit with Jesus and say, what name do you have for me? And take that. And use it every day as a weapon against the evil and the power and the things that are trying to um, take the image of God in you. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you give us a new name, that you give us a new identity, that you give us a new nature that is based on your goodness, truth, love, peace, power, your endless qualities you give to us. 
that we get your righteousness. We get your nature from nothing that we have done. But as your free gift of love to us. So, Jesus, I just pray that we would worship you with our new selves, our new nature, that we would stand with your power and peace in us. Pour it out on us, Jesus. Pour it out on us, Lord. We love you. Amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org. Oh, hey, you're still here. You're like one of my favorite people. The, the kind of person that like sticks around after church while everybody else has left. Like you're still one of the last ones talking. You're like the podcast version of that person. And while I have you here, uh, if you didn't know, this is Pastor Dan. Uh, while I have you here, I just want to say, hey, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to come to life if you're in the central Illinois area. If you're listening to this outside of central Illinois, go find a vineyard church. Vineyard churches are amazing places. Go find one near you. And if you're not near a vineyard church, then uh, just find a church, a community of believers that you can be involved with, be in community with. I think we are our best spiritual selves when we are in community with other people who are following Jesus. That's what the church is for. So we hope to see you here. And if not here, go find a community of believers that you can get involved with this week. All right. Thanks for listening. See you later.